0: Yeah, sure, we have a great culture that takes a lot of weeding every single day and tilling the soil, but the micro-moments is what makes this place great.
1: Hey, what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of going deep with aaron watson i'm tremendously excited to share my guest with you today claude silver is the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia. media media might be familiar to those of you out there who are fans or followers of gary vaynerchuk it's his 800 plus person agency and the role that claude fills of chief heart officer is a new distinct position not seen in many other organizations we had very limited time with Claude so I'm actually going to use a definition of the chief heart officer role that she has shared in two other interviews that she's done one at Google and one on a show called rebel playbook for employee engagement
0: so I oversee all people operations here Mm -hmm. anything that has to do with people and their experience and that starts with the candidacy Mm mm-hmm and then all the way through their tenureship. And it even, even continues when they leave this building and they go someplace else. Anything that has to do with people, I am all about. So whether or not it's problems, recruiting, resourcing, raises, growth and development, one-on-one coaching, bickering. (laughs) (laughs) Drama uh, and tears. Drama, tears, and joy. It's, you name it, and culture. But I think the the differentiator for us is that we really do put people at the center that we because we're an ind- independent uh, independently owned agency, of course we're we want to make sure that we're paying attention to our top and bottom line and and the growth there. But it is really the people that fuel all of that. And I really I, I personally think that the emphasis that we put on people, the emphasis that we put on culture, the emphasis that we even have a job like mine, which is very different than, a chief HR officer, which we'll get to, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Um, that in itself sets us apart. Uh, I don't think it makes us better or holier than now. I think it just makes us very different. And it is something that is hard to grok sometimes, that, yeah, OK, well, are you just like Droga 5? Are you like Anomaly? We're different. We really beat to a different drum. And I think a lot of that is because of who Gary Vaynerchuk is and, and uh, you an know, incredibly fast-moving empath um, that is known for hustle, but quite frankly, he's got a heck of a lot of heart.
1: Now that you know the definition of Claude's role, here is the 20 minute conversation that we got to have in VaynerMedia headquarters in New York. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to be speaking with you. me too. I actually wanted to start off. It's not the question I anticipated asking to start off, but you have a very intentional design to your space and to your office. There's no desk in the middle. There are all sorts of wonderful aphorisms and sayings all over the walls. As you thought about creating this space to bring people in and be with members of your company and from outside the company, how did you approach creating your office this way?
0: I love this question. Because the answer may really surprise you and other people that have been in this room. One, I'm incredibly dyslexic, and spatial relations is not something I'm good at. Okay. So, I, as in, I can see an empty room and not know how I want it to look, but I knew I didn't want a desk, I knew I wanted comfortable chairs, I knew I wanted a plant, a bookshelf, and an enormously large whiteboard, and the rest has been, everything in here is a gift, Every single thing that you see in here, every book, every calendar, every cup, every poster, every thank you card, every heart has been a gift. And so people have built this room. I didn't.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: that not that cool?
1: Yeah. Tell me about not wanting a desk though, because I, I think I might know why, but I want to hear your, your thought process. Oh, it just blocks me. Yeah, It just
0: blocks me from a human being. And this is about human to human connection. This isn't about anything in the way of this connection. And a desk would be in the way a laptop on my lap is on the is in the way. So I I need a lot of freedom in order to think and I need a lot of expansiveness and I'm incredibly blessed to have this view view and this view. I mean, so it was it's intentional because I don't want anything in the way of the space that we're creating together.
1: Of course, I, one of my like little interview tricks is to never sit directly across from the person at the table because it just immediately kind of puts you in this like confrontational place, particularly if you don't know the person so Mm -hmm. well. So I'm always mindful to try to be like on the corner with someone Mm -hmm. King Arthur style, (laughs) but, you know, removing the desk completely takes that all away. And even, you know, sitting in a circle like this, it just feels like Mm -hmm. we're ready to have a discussion.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I trained as a psychotherapist and, and I appreciate the idea of comfort and relaxation and peace and ease and nothing that is going to create fear in a person when they walk into this room that's just gonna it's just gonna chill them out I hope you know and let them know that what happens in here stays in here and let's like we're ready to go we're ready to like turn you into a miraculous human being if you're blocked and if you're not blocked cool we're just gonna take you higher
1: that's awesome so one of the things that I was curious about, I, I'm sure you're familiar with like the maker versus the manager's schedule concept that mm-hmm. Paul Graham's written about. Yeah. So, As someone who is responsible for so many touch points with members of the team and in this leadership role, how do you balance the role of checking in and having meetings with different people versus giving the creatives and all the people on your team the space to do their work as you structure your own days
0: yeah so my day is a mixture of proactivity and reactivity the proactivity is me reaching out to people that either i i have heard whispers that might need a little like uh, you know, like, let's go. I got you. I might reach out to people that started 120 days ago. I might proactively decide to reach out to every copywriter. That is literally on intuition. And so that's me saying, Hey, love to chat. Hey, heard some great things. Hey, it's been a long time. And then proactively people are just coming and setting up meetings with me. I'd love to chat with Claude. I heard you. I heard you were great to t- talk to. I heard you're someone I should talk to in the first 90 days. It's been a year since we talked that kind of stuff. I can't, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time communicating with my manager I just got a really bad feedback and I won't walk through it with you or I'm, I'm about to have a chat with Gary. Can we strategize? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's literally 50-50 of what I'm doing all day. My role is Switzerland. I am here literally to hold space, to collect information, to look for patterns, synthesize patterns, and then to take action where I can. And that action may be to connect you with 10 awesome people. That action may be to go talk to, uh, you know, the chief creative officer and be like, hey, I've now heard from five copywriters that they're getting stifled in meetings. The action may be like, oh, hey, you need to talk to Gary. You haven't ta- you've been here a year and you haven't talked to Gary. So I believe that people are coming in here for a couple reasons. One, uh, because they they know that something will happen in here. And back to you know to my favorite quote right there, people will never forget how you made them feel. I my My quest in life is to make people feel something great. And then the other thing is they know that there will be some kind of motion movement from that meeting that we have together.
1: I've I've heard in another discussion you talk about trying to always have a pulse on the vibe Mm -hmm. of the space. And that's so counter to a, a kind of modern, I would say just culture in general, but particularly a business culture that can be very metrics driven, very data driven. Are there metrics or pieces of data that you really focus on or or care a lot about? Or is that even maybe just like a broken framework for you?
0: No, I mean, I think data is really healthy. I just don't concentrate 100% on data. So I concentrate on intuition. I concentrate on what I'm hearing while it might be subjective, which is great. Uh, I concentrate on exit interviews, which is data. Uh, I concentrate on uh, metrics that I get from people that come in as a candidate here to see how we've done. Uh, pulse surveys. And I look at all of that, but what is more, much more important is this conversation, is the person in front of me, the relationships that we're creating, and the and literally that vibe that I'm getting from you, your truth. Because your truth is your truth. It might be subjective, but it's still your truth. So I, I want to I want to take that into account. And I put that at a higher level than data. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: Now, as your responsibilities, like this is a massive and growing company and you have offices in L.A., Chattanooga, London, in addition to New York. Mm-hmm. How you alluded to other members of the team being steeped in this culture, also valuing the people in it. But how do you even scale yourself? Like I've heard you describe, it's like, I'm here to scale Gary, but even at this size, like scaling yourself has to be an immense challenge.
0: Yeah. Six months in, I said, oops, I got it. Okay. I'm going to learn how to scale myself. And what I do is I put a lot of responsibility on every individual here to cultivate the culture with me because it's, it's just not my responsibility. It's, not, it's my pride, it's my honor, it's my joy, but there's no way it's my responsibility. It's not my team's responsibility. We are here to serve and we are here to do everything we can to help get people from A to B, A to C. But at the end of the day, it's everyone's responsibility to show up. And if they hopefully choose to show up with their best, brightest self, you know, ready to go, then like, wow, we are, we're jamming. And some days are like that and some days aren't, you know, and that's my job is to feel the texture of of the, the macro culture and then the micro cultures, meaning like what's going on in L.A. today? What's going on on the, the X account team today? And how I do that is either I would have talked to someone, I'm slacking, I'm getting info from other people. You know, it's literally just imagine, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a vessel that just gets filled up every single day with information. Yeah. And... You know, culture is, is it's the operating system of this place. You know, culture doesn't exist on an app. It exists here and it exists when you sat. I saw you guys sitting in the lobby. That was part of the culture. The room I was in having that meeting, that we were we were creating culture because we were creating something out of five people sitting in a room, so...
1: Is there another example of a small detail that when you see it, you really kind of celebrate, you know, outside of the macro vibe, like small details that when you see it being executed by the team, you're like, you know, fist bumping.
0: So we have Wine Wednesday. It's been, some, it's been a tradition and a ritual of VaynerMedia since we started 10 years ago. Gary's the wine guy, so forth and so on. Last This past Wednesday, we had what I would consider like a college fair in the kitchen here. And what I mean by that is every affinity group could have been pride, could have been amigos, could have been uh, the evasions, uh, like people that are in the... Uh, Asian American community call themselves Asians. They all had little booths in the kitchen and they were all serving a different kind of drink. There was sake, there was wine, there was tequila over there for the amigos. I'm pointing over there. I mean, over <laughs> yeah. and walking through the kitchen and seeing 80 people going to each and every booth to find out what, what affinity group was doing and what goes on in there was like pure magic and joy to me. That was amazing. Cause it wasn't, they weren't just there for the free wine. They were there for information. That was awesome. And so that's like, you know, the culture is built, and I like that you asked the question, the culture is built in the micro moments here. Yeah, sure, we have a great culture that takes a lot of weeding every single day and tilling the soil, but the micro moments is what makes this place great. You know, yesterday I, I gave a radical candor feedback training to all of our engineers. And to see them come alive and really want to know how to give constructive yet personal feedback to everyone was amazing. Like it was just it was so much joy. And they participated for 90 minutes. They like held court with me. And that was really cool. That's awesome. So, we, like, we
1: love Kim Scott's book. That's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazing. I just
0: vainerize the heck out of it. I mean, Got so all there, yeah,
1: another kind of micro detail that I'm curious about is the rituals that you might set up the onboarding of a new employee so you talked about like it's been 90 days i haven't seen you yet but other ways that you know on one side of the spectrum it's like here's the employee handbook let me throw it at you full speed all in one day or like in some micro segment hope some of it's stuck versus a thoughtful path into the company Mm -hmm. and how that kind of gets embodied
0: so cool we don't do anything like throwing your handbook at anyone we have an onboarding that's four days Every single employee. So if you're the CFO and you're the junior copywriter, you are in the same onboarding class and you are there for four days and you go through, you meet so many people. You get to know the secret sauce of what we do. Subject matter experts from every team come in, you get your, you get your laptop, you get IT, you go out with different lunch buddies in the afternoon around three o'clock, you go sit with your team or the department and they start to onboard you onto the intricacies of said team next day you come back at 9 30 and you do it again you go to our other office if you're here in New York City you go to our other office in Long Island City I mean it's it's so robust you do see the employee handbook but it's nothing that we're going to chuck at you you see it and it'll be on your laptop you know forever and ever but the onboarding is to get you into the flavor of what's going on here and what's behind the kimono because we don't really talk a, a lot about the secret sauce out in the world you know, but once you get the golden ticket, Willy Wonka, you know, you're here. Like that is you've provided value immediately.
1: And I think it's also, I'm guessing, a way to convey importance to that individual. Like you could argue that, oh, I'm a CFO, like I shouldn't be in the entry level. That that's like a one way of thinking. Sure, but the fact that we're willing to spend four times just four days just on onboarding like we're not immediately throwing a task at you to do or yep. some job to get done but we're investing this time and effort in you seems to be part of the message as well
0: we are investing this time and we are equalizing the the floor here yeah. so the fact that jimmy the C, the cfo is sitting with johnny the junior copywriter is pretty amazing because when Johnny is in the kitchen getting his coffee one day, he's got a friend in that CFO. Like he knows that and that how wonderful is that? Because normally that would be quite intimidating. Wouldn't it be?
1: Totally. As I think about some of the values that I've I've heard you speak about here and in some of the prep that I was doing, you know, love, kindness, empathy. These are very universal values but one thing that I've just frankly experienced myself getting hung up and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this is empathy in the micro where, hey, I've been a copywriter so I can empathize with what the copywriter is going through or I've been in marketing so I can empathize with what the marketer is doing. But those are engineers. I don't know anything about that. It's hard. There's, there, there might feel like there's mm-hmm. more of a gap in empathy. How do you negotiate that like you before? filling this role, you were in this industry already. So that has to help to some degree.
0: It helps up to 100% degrees. Because I know exactly what it's like to be on a floor. I know exactly what it's like to have a client say, nah, that's wrong, do it again. That was due yesterday. I know what exactly what it's like to be in a pitch situation and like, you know, in the trenches. Um, you know, I know exactly what it's like to get car sick coming back from a client, like all the above. Yeah. And I think that 20 years of me sitting in an agency on the floor has given me not only like the business savvy, but I can empathize with with what everyone's going through. I don't know how to write back-end code, but I can empathize with the fact that relationships are everything. And even though you're staring at a screen all day writing code, you know, you still need to have make friends with this guy next to you or this gal next to you. You still need to manage your energy because it can be a crunch when you're working at an agency and things are due yesterday and you're you're beholden to clients.
1: And it seems like those stories would also be useful. As you need to be vulnerable with these people so that they can have the trust and have the space to share their stories with you. It's those stories that you can call upon and be like, yeah, this time I was driving back and I got car sick. And
0: yeah, well, the meeting I was just in is about relocation, relocating someone to London and all the intricacies in there. And I've been relocated to London two times. So I know exactly what that's like. I know what it's like to, you know, want to move and your visa doesn't come in and, you know, but you already gave notice on your lease. Like, that's pretty cool that I can empathize with them on that. I can't change it, but I can say, man, it's going to be okay. Like, and when you get there, you're going to get an Airbnb for three weeks and then you're going to get moved into that apartment that you, you know, all that stuff. So it is all about people. It's all about like, just people matter. Like, that's all I can say. And there's so much that gets communicated in conversation and in actual language. And there's so much that gets communicated with just silence. And so reading people is really important. Seeing, seeing, listening to when someone sighs, watching someone's body language, watching someone's face light up and eyes light up. Like these are things that I'm taking notice of in every, everywhere I am, every meeting I'm in, you know, as long as my head's on straight, I'm doing that.
1: Last question, then we'll, we'll aim towards wrapping up. When you have some of your harder days where maybe you're, you're hearing the stories of others and because you're empathetic, you're, you're, co-feeling some of those tougher situations, what do you do to get re-centered and re-energized after one of the tougher days?
0: Um, I love the question. I just had one and I do one of three things. One, I leave this office and I walk the perimeter of the floor. So I walk everywhere and I say hi to people and I stop and do my thing. Two, I have a bottle of Joe Malone perfume over there, uh, which is vintage gardenia, which I just love. I don't wear it. I love the smell and I spray it. And three, I go outside and it just depends on, <laughs> just depends on my temperature that day, you know? And I mean, in, at the nth degree, the one person I go to, to empty my bucket is who? It's Gary. So I have that relationship and I call upon that relationship when I need it. And the first thing he does is he checks up on me. I'll be like, you know, even this week when I had one of those situations, he swung by, he's like, how did that go? Which is amazing because I have that relationship as i'm as I am working for eight hundred people, I know that there's one person working for me, and that feels amazing
1: that's awesome, you
0: know I mean he's working for everyone else, but I'm part of that, and so that's how I recenter as well, you know, and i also I like to cook, which Oops. just I just zone out and put on some block party or Jane's addiction and just you know chill
1: right on yeah. This has been awesome, Claude. Thank, thank you, you so much for making the time thank for us. You. Thank you. I want to make sure that people uh, can connect with you, at least in the digital world, if not in the physical. Where can we point people who want to learn more, connect further?
0: Yeah, cool. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Claude. It's just all the same, at Claude Silver. I respond to everyone that writes. Everyone. It might take me a little bit of time, but absolutely, like I appreciate it. You know, attention is, is such an incredible form of generosity. And you've given me your attention and I feel amazing. And when I give someone their attention, my attention, I know they feel amazing. So when someone takes a second to write me, like that's, that's enormous. It's enormous. So I'm, I'm here and hit me up.
1: I'm also going to plug uh, your podcast, which is very short snippets, <laughs> yeah. very bingeable, very w- good way to, if you're having one of those rougher days, get raise the energy as well.
0: Yeah. It's literally like I'm out walking the dog and I'm like, we should talk about this today. I dig thank it.
1: you thank you sure thing um, let's uh, leave as we do every episode I want to give them like one more time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience
0: yep so it is very easy for me to come up with this which is recognition is enormous and to go and recognize someone whether or not that is hey you did a great job when you did X hey I want to thank you for making space for me hey I love you hey thanks for being my friend and listen to listening to me hey, Thanks for watching my kid, washing my dog. Like, hey, thank you for being a human being that cares about me. That's it. So go verbally recognize someone. Verbally, not not text, verbally.
1: Beautiful. Go yeah. do it. Yeah. We just went deep with Claude Silver. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Rock on. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this interview with Claude. Please hit that subscribe button if you've not already done so. We have a ton of great episodes in our back catalog. If you liked this one, I would strongly recommend our interview with Kim Scott. You can check out the show notes for the link directly to that episode. And if you are looking for an excuse to come visit Pittsburgh, I strongly consider making the Going Deep Summit your excuse to do so. Here is
2: what people say about the event.
0: I would say that it's not for everyone, but it's for anyone.
2: It's for people you want to make a genuine connection, For you want to step out of your comfort zone, if you want to get comfortable being uncomfortable.
1: It had that down-to-earth vibe where it didn't matter how big somebody was or how popular somebody was, you could just go up right after and just pick their brain, get some ideas, tell them them how much you like their presentation. And I thought that was a really huge element. I would explain the Going Deep Summit as a melting pot of people and ideas that come together and it was just one of those events that really impacted me because I was exposed to so many different concepts that I wouldn't have necessarily otherwise been exposed to. One of the things that I really liked about the Going Deep Summit is when the presenters were up on stage they just presented and provided a ton of quality information. A lot of the times you go to other conventions and it's like they start presenting and then it's just all sales pitches. So it was really cool to see every single speaker. Not one of them really did a sales pitch at all. Another thing that I took away was a couple new friends.
2: As I was standing in line for lunch, we We were able to connect with people that were standing near us, and we probably would have never met besides that. But it
0: united Pittsburghers and people from outside the city alike, which was really interesting because I
2: would have never um, met people in a different industry than myself.
1: There are also so many people that I met at the Going Deep Summit that I also wouldn't have otherwise met.
2: It kind of made me reflect on. Like when people talk about Pittsburgh, you talk about uh, how, you know, it's a technological revolution, I've all these great things that are going on in Pittsburgh, but it's all buzzwords, it's what they put on the headline of the newspaper. But I felt like I went there and I was meeting those people who are actually trying to do the things to make that statement true. So it didn't matter. I didn't realize there was going to be people from such a diverse range of uh, industries. So, you know, there's people talking to technology, there's people in politics, there's people just regular good dudes who had a good life story. You know, and um, I didn't realize I was going to be participating in it as well. And I was going to be outside of my comfort zone because it's hard to get me outside of my comfort zone. But there were some things I was doing and participating in that, you know, put me outside of my comfort zone, it made me feel like I was a part of it.
1: It's easy. Google Going Deep Summit to learn more about the event and buy your tickets.